I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Snark Monkey number 24 with the great Max Cook, K-O-C-H, by the way. Oh, what a, what a completely fascinating, funny, bizarro fella. I love Max, and this is a great episode. Max has done a little bit of everything, continues to do a little bit of everything. He's an actor. He's a voice actor. He's been on a high-profile animated series. Oh, wow. Uh, He's an incredibly talented artist and has a bent for the darker side of things. Um, He's an impressionist, has this terrific following on some videos he has done of some of his favorite personalities, including Jack Nicholson and uh, Tony Soprano. And I know that's a character, not an actor. You know, shut up. Um, And he's just great to talk to. And I just think his mind doesn't quite work the way the rest of us does. And his Facebook posts are hilarious. And I just thought we would have a great time talking. And we did. Uh, Oh, and he's also started a blog on wine. And... He's, it's really fun. Um, so if you like wine and if you like funny people, then you should check it out. It's maxcookuncorked.com. We cover all that in here and you got to check it out because he has had a very bizarro, interesting life and, um, and it's a fun little journey here and he's just creating his own art and his own world, which is something I love talking about. So let's do it. Snark monkey number 24. Here's Max Cook. Why are you such an angry man? Are we starting? Oh, yeah. This is it? Oh, yeah. You really think I'm that angry? You you know you're angry. You're angry at the trash on the streets. Yes. Which you take pictures of constantly. Yes. Well, uh, it's and more by discarded the way, furniture. What fucking neighborhood do you live in that so many people are throwing away condoms, underwear, and uh, old TVs? Well. All, I mean, or do you seek it out? Listen, I... It, the, the the detritus is thrust upon me, Larry. I, wow. I am exhausted. I walk my dogs every morning. I live in the NoHo Arts District, whatever that is. And this thing, <laughs> how much arts is going on there? There's some art. I well, haven't seen any of it, and I'll never see it. I don't like theater. <laughs> I hate theater. <laughs> but I I live around the corner from one of those porn boutiques. Oh, and it's it's uh and and they buy a big rubber dildo the deviant does and they 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 rush out to the alleyway and they rip apart the packaging and they toss it on the ground and they go and they shove it up their ass and the are next they in word, that big of a hurry? I'm telling you, it are, looks as if they is this like like smash the glass emergency dildo kind of what what who is in such a huge rush to get that dildo going? Highly charged sexual <laughs> deviant art <monsters>. lovers art lovers. <laughs> It's it's the romantics. 
with an X. That's that's where these people are buying this wow. stuff. Wow. And, and, and there's... Oh, everyone's fucking in the bushes, and there's rubber gloves everywhere and mattresses. It's a very congested neighborhood, but allegedly up and coming. I don't know. Well, but you don't want it to be all pristine and gentrified, though, do you? Well, what does that word gentrified mean? That means a bunch of white people move no, in no, and no, kick no, out no, all no, the no, all no. the all the normal people. I love people that aren't white. I think they're great. <laughs> <laughs> I love being around that. And and uh, and also they like to clean up the homeless too. That's what happened. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what they say about Williams, Williamsburg and Brooklyn and people who lament the old neighborhood, which of course is never a neighborhood they wanted to live in because right. it was so unsafe and disgusting. <laughs> but they'll still go, "Oh, the old New York." I've never been to New York. What? No. Wait a minute. No. People are like, "How can you not go to New York? New York is everything." You seem like somebody who not only is. Maybe from New York, right. but who who lived there for years and grudgingly came out this direction. Where were you born? I was born in Lansing, Michigan. Now, see, I don't see that at all. I know. I'm a total Midwest hick. How long were you there? Oh, God. Uh, seven years. I actually grew up uh, a, a, on a farm a little bit. <laughs> Wait a minute. All right. Let's go back. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to get the, we're going to get a little of the chronological Max Cook story out oh first. So you were born in Lansing, Michigan yeah. to uh, to regular, normal parents. Well, my dad was a cop, and he was violently killed uh, a month and a half before I was born. Oh, wow. Yeah, so my mom, she was a nurse. She was a hot little thing. You know, I'm inside the womb, traumatized from her sorrow. I was born into death, man. Yeah. So, so, so you recognize that there was some darkness the moment you came into the world? Oh, it was. It you was, feel like you yeah. honestly feel that way? I do. I, I mean, I think scientifically, I'm I'm programmed to uh, gravitate or levitate towards the dark side of things, and it's always been the problem. When did you learn about your dad? Oh, gee. Um, well, I think for a long time I didn't know he was gone because mom kind of remarried. A, a, I guess a couple of years later. To a, a really abusive prick, and uh, to her I, or to you or uh, to both, to both of us, oh. and and he wound up being um, a probation officer and 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 a cokehead and and violent, and I thought he was dad, so I called him dad forever, and it wasn't until we got out here that I realized this guy's not my dad. Who is my dad? So I had to find out. I probably really understood by the time I was seven or eight. Did your mom tell you, or did you have to go to other people? Well, I was extremely uh, close to my grandma Cook, who was my dad's mom, and she was very communicative with me. She was the best woman uh, in my life growing up. I mean, she was just, she was everything. She really provided the perspective on my father, that he was just this class clown, that he loved making fun of people, that he always got in trouble, that he was rebellious, that he loved the ladies, that he loved forensic pathology. I mean, that's me. So you're finding there, you're finally going, there's my connection. There, there's yes. my DNA. Yes. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if the dude lived, if we wouldn't have wound up canceling each other out. I mean, it would be very interesting, I think about that, if he was still alive today. Yeah, would he have nurtured that in you or would he have tried to steer you away from well he ended up being a cop he ended up being i mean was he a from her estimation was he a good guy was he oh yeah yeah i mean everyone trouble and all that stuff but but generally a warm loving guy oh everyone you have that in you too. everyone loved him but despite your attempts to to hide it and to 
to squash it. I do. You have a warm, cuddly side. See, this is better than the therapy I've been getting for the past five years because I don't see any. It's so funny. I was thinking on the way over here. Why does Larry want to talk to me? Why does he want me in his show? What perspective does he have? What do people perceive? And now I'm learning. You know, you're one of the most complicated, interesting, funny, talented, weird, <laughs> like people I've ever met. Wow. And I think there's a lot going on with you. I mean, yeah. there's so much going on with you. and But I don't think it's imposing or scary as much as you like to put up this kind of front of being... You know, dark and, and right. leaning toward. I mean, I love that you love Halloween as much as you do. Yeah, but you love it. In it, you love its its darkness and its and its horror and and you love the 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 you know creepy bloody <laughs> you know elements. But you but also at the same time you love it in this childlike way. Yeah. Um. Your your what was it the the jack o' lantern ball or what the hell was that thing you found at the Ralphs that day and oh yeah sale? it was a kickball painted like a jack o' lantern yeah. so I saw it at the Vons and that was yeah. sheer childlike joy yeah the thing the video you made out of the song yeah. didn't you make a song out of that I did jack o' lantern ball it's the greatest thing ever it's the greatest thing ever jack o' lantern ball it's the greatest yeah I I, I did yeah. I I made a whole dance out of it and maybe I, made I should a video save this episode until October. It's in- <laughs> Oh man, when will it come out? <laughs> soon. Okay. Yeah. But that's why, I mean, you, because and also part of what I'm doing is I'm talking to people who are, you know, working at a certain level, yeah. have have reached a, a certain level of success uh, via entertainment business and you have your hands in a bunch of different things yeah. and you've uh, got, you know, you've got your acting and you've got your voice acting mm-hmm. and you've got your following on YouTube. Uh, I mean, you've been doing that for a while before all this other social media stuff kind of took off. Yeah. Impressions and yeah. your little videos. And you have a lot of people watching and, and checking out your stuff. You have this strange little following yeah. that loves what you do. And yeah. you've got your wine thing. So yes. you're a very complex, interesting person, and that is the long answer to why I wanted to talk to oh, you. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm really glad I'm here, and I brought you a bottle. No. I did. I brought you a bottle of the uh, 2012 St. Francis Old Vine Zinfandel. Now, this oh. isn't super fancy, but it's, oh. it's, it's fancy but see, enough. I love C. Zinfandel. And that's you're, for you. You're talking my... Oh, really? Now, don't forget to aerate that. What do you mean, oh, really? It's in a gift bag, for God's sake. What the, what the, yeah, the, I'm going to give it back to myself. No, you're the first Look at that. podcast guest that has actually brought a gift. Well, that's unfortunate. You have to, man. Oh, see, and I love Zinfandels. I feel like you're inviting me into your home, and I don't show up to anyone's house empty-handed. I'm not that kind of guy. See, now there's the gracious, caring, yes. nice person. Yes. A lot Max. of people think I'm gay, Larry. What? They do. No. They think I'm... Because when people come over... They get candles, they get blankets, <laughs> they get mints, they get cheeses. Now, where is that coming from? Where is that coming from? I am a provider of comfort, and when you come up to the condo in the sky, you disappear. All of your problems melt away. <laughs> where is the condo in the sky? It's in the NoHo Arts District, right above all the dirty condoms and rubber gloves. So and torn really, mattresses. So you really live in, you straddle both worlds, the light and the dark. <laughs> Correct. Uh, and you're comfortable in both, I would think. Yeah, Obviously. but, uh, you know. I well, let's go say, back to your well, troubled uh, childhood. Uh, okay, I want to know, uh, uh, so you left Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. Did, you, did you come to California? Where, when did you live on a farm? Uh, well, that was right before we, we left. Uh, the farmhouse was was 
very remote. That was in East Lansing, and uh, that was a very remote couple of years. And the first time I realized that um, I like uh, using my imagination is on the farm, was on the farm. Like everything was either puppets, action figures, hats, wigs. So I'm pretty isolated. Growing. Yeah, was that just out of boredom and you didn't have yeah. like, any neighbors to walk to and play with? I, I did, but they were all redneck pieces of shit who like <laughs> had no comic sensibility. Like they were beneath me as playmates. Were there animals? Did oh, you did you yes. become attached to the animal? No, well, that sounds really creepy when I ask <laughs> when I ask you. Come here. No, stop it. I'm patient. <laughs> now see, when you do that character, yeah. your right hand Yeah, I in- went and touched my dick. Involuntarily yeah. goes to your crotch. I know. I touched my crotch and I didn't have to because no. you're over there. You can't see my No, hand on nobody my dick. can. It's a podcast. I can't stop touching my dick. So you were enjoying the animals from a friendship standpoint. Animals are everything to me on top of everything else. So, yeah, I had an old English sheepdog. Uh, I had a uh, golden retriever. Oh. I had a monkey for no, a little while. No, you didn't. <laughs> I had a cat named Leroy Brown. <laughs> I had a horse named Goldie. Are uh, you making any of this no, up? No, I, I, listen, I, who when, has the energy to lie? Now, when did you have a monkey? Uh, he came by, well, you know... <laughs> came by did he, he was, escape a traveling circus and suddenly you got a monkey knocking on your door he, he was a diapered little fellow that came by he was a little spider monkey <laughs> but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what larry you'll love this actually since um the the stepdad was a probation officer and since my mom was a nurse and sometimes worked at like battered teen shelters we wound up having kind of a lot of foster uh teenage chicks coming in and out of the house <laughs> and one of them brought a monkey <laughs> listen I've had a very weird life. <laughs> oh my God! Why haven't you pitched that series I to somebody? Thought about the monkey in years. Oh my God! The monkey? Yeah. Oh, so man. So yeah, I would watch that show. Yeah. So my my mom started seeing this kid doing weird shit, and she's like, I don't know. Maybe we should get out of here. Maybe Michigan isn't the place to be. Maybe we got to take this kid out to L.A. So. Well, what, why would L.A. come to mind? Well, because... Uh, Were there relatives here at all? Any family? Uh, um, everyone is, is uh, dead, oh. and there weren't a lot of them. Um, but no, no, I, I think the real motivation was my, my mom and then stepdad's best friends had moved out here and discovered, like, you know, California in the 70s, man. Like, it was all happening. Like, the Coke was blowing, and the people were making homemade ice cream, and everyone had a black bottom pool. And that's what they wanted to be a part of. <laughs> that's, by the way, if they redo the Beverly Hillbillies, it, those are the new lyrics to the theme song. <laughs> yeah. Coke so, was blowing. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> black black bottom that. pools. What was the middle one there? I don't know. Oh, Did I damn it. What? Did I watch the Beverly Hillbillies? We all watched the Beverly Hillbillies. I was watching Adam's Family, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're out here in California. At what point did you recognize that your imagination and your your kind of entertaining bent, your puppets, and your – I didn't even mention illustrations. You're an an amazing illustrator. That's another part of your arsenal. How – when did you realize that that translated to actually maybe doing that for a living? Or trying to do that for a living. Well, listen, I, I, I would say up until ten years ago, I didn't know who I was. I was trying to be everyone else, and 
Yeah. What did you want to be? I, 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 well, a, is, did you did you have a goal as like a kid or a teenager? Well, yeah. To answer your question, um, when I got out to California, we had a house up in Woodland Hills, and I went to Woodland Hills Elementary, and I used to go around seriously. I was so obsessed with Groucho, I would go around with the Groucho duck walk. Like I must have strained my back as a kid, and I would have a stick, like a thick stick, I would find and and pretend it was a cigar. And I would go around telling kids that I was Groucho Marx's son. And I lived that part during lunch, recess. Like, I never switched it up. Like, now, that was the, was the role. Now, were you – did you see the movies on TV or, were you, or yeah. did you discover them somehow? Yeah, like the Family Film Festival hosted by Tom Hatton. There we go. You know, and, yeah. I, and I, I just was so smitten by the Marx Brothers and that, that mad, zany, uh, anarchist. Anarchistic, anarchistic yeah. world that they that they lived in, and uh, yeah, the anti-establishment, yeah, and also the, the shit up, verbal man. language, and yes, all the, the side yes. gags, yeah, all the fucking with Margaret Dumont, and oh, it just you destroyed me. As totally a kid. spoke to you, yeah. So Groucho was like, and so I would go to B. Dalton, and like my mom be like, "All right, you want to buy kid books?" I'm like, "No, I want to go buy books about Groucho," and and then and, and mom would buy me books. I mean, my mom was actually very cool. Uh, I mean, this is once we kind of got away from Phil. She she left him. She had to. He was he was just violent. But um, you know, she'd buy me books about Groucho, and I was getting really good at reading. And I would read stories about Chico fucking girls. And I, I'm nine years old, or it's actually Chico. Uh, so so I was like, I want to be Groucho. That's that's who I want to be. And then after Groucho, gosh, that then came like our guys, like. Uh, your Steve Martins, yeah, and your the Robin, comedy guys, the Mork, and so you were, yeah, so you were listening to Robin Williams albums and the Steve Martin records, yeah, and, George Carlin, Richard uh, Pryor, Pryor, absolutely, oh, Richard Pryor's funniest man that ever lived. I mean, they talk about how, like, the day that uh, that night that the Beatles played on Ed Sullivan, the yeah. next day, you know, every kid in America started a band when that Richard Pryor movie came out, <laughs> and then the albums, like yeah. the first one, I live felt, in concert. Yeah. With the red shirt and the yes. monkey. Yang, 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 yang. And the monkey goes up and fucks him in the ear. Now, it, it ha, have you ever laughed harder no. at anything in your no. life than no. that movie? Because no. I can remember, I have, and I have this kind of weird Rain Man thing about, I can kind of remember every place I've ever seen any movie ever. Wow, that's great. And I know I was at the Winwood Cinema. It was a midnight movie showing. Wow. And I don't think I have ever just lost my breath, <laughs> tears coming out of my eyes. And by the way, this is West Texas, and this is a bunch of white, oh. just, I mean, and that just shows the power of Richard Pryor. Yeah. This place was full, because nobody, everybody had been hearing about this movie. Nobody yeah. had seen this movie. And it was, and he was making fun of us. I mean, he was, he yeah. was doing this amazing impression All of All right, cut the shit. There just cut the crap. Hola. <laughs> uh, he slaughtered, man. That, that stuff killed me. Yeah. And so I think... That that was one of those touchstones for people who wanted to be comedians or wanted mm-hmm. to be funny, as because it wasn't. We were definitely seeing a, a a black presence that we hadn't seen before. We saw an insight into a world that maybe I certainly didn't understand. But but outside of that, just the ability to make me laugh that hard, there was something really special in this person. Like he was. He was cracking the code on something that we hadn't seen before. And I, I yeah. hear of that from people everywhere. Wow. Wasn't it great that he was a storyteller first and foremost? Right. Well, and that was the other thing. It wasn't jokes. It wasn't no one-liners. Jokes. I mean, yeah. There were, there were, I mean, you're, you're dying and you can't breathe from him. He's, he's going to kill you with his comedy. I just looked at Sunset Strip the other day. Yeah. Just for old time's sake. Yeah. And riotous. 
Yeah. I had to just stop it because it was like 40 minutes of gold, and I just want to save the next 40 minutes. Right. That Mudbone character, the yeah. first time I heard that, there was so much. That, that's the other thing. that You talk about the storytelling. There's some pathos in that. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, he, had a, he did tell a story, and it wasn't always hilarious. I mean, and you also kind of sensed the pain. Again, as a white kid in West Texas, mm-hmm. yeah. all I knew was instinctually that he had experienced stuff that I could feel through his comedy. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, that's that's powerful shit. Yeah. So yeah, prior, I, 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 I just, I, you know, I put him up there with. He's like, you know, the Beatles to me, and and things like that. Those are. I the didn't guys. know this about you. I, I really, yeah. I'm really, uh, I'm really enjoying hearing that. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean, you and I are. I don't even really know how old you are. Um, but I'll be 45 in August. Yeah, so I'm older than you, but we st- kind of still went through similar periods from mm-hmm. the standpoint of what influenced us. Yeah. You know, first couple of seasons of SNL and, yeah. and all those guys, you know, those were... That was some formative shit for for comedy, anyway. Oh my god! I just saw the wild and crazy guys again for the first time since I was a teenager. Right. We put on special cologne. It makes our chest hairs crispy. And I'm still <laughs> laughing. And my wife's like, "You're an idiot." I, uh, if Danny I... Aykroyd, what happened to Danny? Where, is I he? Know. Where's he, our boy? Yeah, uh, he's he's. Do you yeah. know him? He's enormous. I know that. Yeah, he's a big fella. I don't. Think he's I... making the skull vodka. He's yeah. uh, he's into the UFOs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. I I I uh, I haven't seen him do anything in a while. Do you and, wa- do you want a f- listen? I wasn't a Ghostbusters buff, but do you want a female Ghostbusters? I don't have a problem. I don't have this kind of yeah. defensive affection. Exactly. I could care less. Great. For I the love originals. Those girls. I probably uh, like that better than the original. I think here's the problem, and I've gone through this on our group podcast that we do. Uh, there's there's a Almost everybody in it is younger than I am. Mm. And so those 80 mo- 80s movies, like we got in this huge fight when I said that The Goonies is ultimately just not a very good movie. <laughs> and I, I literally yeah. thought people were going to flip tables over and walk out on me. Jeez, I have but no that's, attachment to that film. Me neither. And I, and I Lost know, Boys, yeah. Well, I, well, I know why. is because I, I had my childhood movies. Yeah. I had my Bad News Bears and my mm-hmm. Disney shit with Dean Jones and all that oh, that's stuff. that's great. And, when I, and by... The time 1980 rolled around, I was at USC Film School, yeah. and I thought I was going to the next level. So I was, I was, atta- I was attracted to. I mean, I remember distinctly seeing Raging Bull yeah. at the Man Regent, the Old Man Regent in Westwood, and being devastated. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing The Deer Hunter mm-hmm. at the crappy little Scott Theater upstairs theater with like nine seats in Odessa, Texas. And walking out of there breathless. Um, and at, th- at that point, I turned a corner. And I, I saw Back to the Future. I loved Back to the Future. But I didn't embrace that as something. No. So those kind of goofy 80 movies, 80s movies that people kind of base their whole childhoods on, yeah. uh, I was past that. I, yeah. was, I was digging a whole different scene, man. <laughs> and man. So I don't have that affection. So the Ghostbusters thing. And I also know the director, uh, Paul Feig. I He's going to be on this podcast. Actually. Oh, that's great! Um, so I will make him defend that. Yeah, but I have never had a moment of hesitation of going. Yeah, that sounds like a fun idea. Why not? You mm-hmm. know, because he's not trying to remake it. He's trying to bring it about in a different way with an all female cast, and that sounds a little gimmicky. But those are all funny people he's talking about putting in there. And... I think they're funnier than men. 
I mean, yeah. I, for the past several years, and I still watch SNL, I think the chicks are always better than the dudes. There's I, some dudes that I love, but yeah, always I think the lately, chicks. yeah. yeah. I, th- I think the, the I think Kristen Wiig is freaking brilliant. Oh. I think Kate McKinnon on this new season is oh. is incredible at what she does. I want to do terrible things to all of them. Yeah. I don't think Kate McKinnon would let you. No. I, yeah, she likes, uh, she likes the yeah. tang. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. <laughs> so we talked about our, our influences, and we uh, got a monkey and a Goonies reference in there. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny that you mentioned those films, because by the time I was 10, 11, 12 into my teens, it was Z Channel, and I was watching all of those films you speak of, and right. I wanted to be a film actor, and I wanted to make movies. What was, because um, you have expressed such great affection for guys like De Niro yeah. and Pacino, and you do those impressions, mm. and we're, I'm going to make you dance like a monkey here in a bit and do those. <laughs> But what was the movie that, like, really flipped your switch? It was One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh. And it was Nicholson. And yeah. Nicholson's my all-time favorite uh, actor. And it was Nicholson that I said, that's the dude I want to be. Okay, you just posted something the other day that blew my mind. That BAFTA acceptance. How great was that? With the entire cast yeah. and this little Danny DeVito hovering before. nearby. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, that movie in general, once you now that you watch it, to see who was in that thing mm-hmm. and to see Christopher Lloyd in there and, mm-hmm. and DeVito early on. And um, and people don't talk about that movie that much anymore. No, I not, don't understand. Not with, I, because it's kind of it's still it's still as impactful, I think, now yeah. as, as ever. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Generations are missing it. And um, why? Uh, What's going on there? I don't know. It's 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 one for the fogies. And what are they going to do? Watch Cuckoo's Nest on their phones? Milos will lose his mind. <laughs> but that see, but the thing is, modern cinema and that era of cinema, that kind of silver age of cinema in the seventies, we haven't progressed that much no. since then. I mean, they're in color. <laughs> they're yeah. they're adult themed. They, uh, you know, I, my, uh, I showed my kid The French Connection for the first time. Okay. And there's some dated stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And Hackman's character uses the N-word a little too no, freely for everybody. Really? For every, oh, I yeah. remember that. Right up front, oh, man. Right at the beginning. I mean, not great, but yeah. Um, but it's interesting because Alex, my son, is a, is a good lit- litmus test. He's yeah. really open to, to, you know, great movies. Yeah. But he'll call bullshit on something that doesn't hold up, you okay. know. And, and he... And also, and, and in watching all that 70s stuff, they spend a lot of time developing character in a way that they just don't do anymore. Because the standard template now is have that big set piece at the beginning that sets the tone. You're supposed to have a big action piece, and you also know everything you need to know about the characters within right. the first five minutes. Right. And then you can let the thing play out. Yeah. And French Connection is a prime example. Serpico does this. Oh. Uh, so many other movies yeah. from that era do this. The opening scene is just, they're just getting off work. I think they do actually bust somebody. But then they go to a bar, and then there's just a bunch of talk. And then there's just, and then it finally kind of leads up to this, hey, look at that guy. We need to follow that guy. He's flashing around too much dough. <laughs> and, it, and you only learn about the character over a course of a, a long period of time. And there's not some sort of little... Like token that you're still talking about Popeye Doyle, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 absorb his character. Mm-hmm. It's not laid out in front of you. And almost mm-hmm. every movie from the '70s takes its sweet damn time, yeah, getting going. Yeah, sorry, I'm going on a diet. No, right I'm I'm loving your passion, man. You're preaching to the choir. But my point is, like, if you think about, uh, let's say Kubrick 
Uh, oh uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, boy. You love that movie, right? That's my all-time favorite film. Is that 1969? That's uh, 71. 71, okay. Yeah. So now think about 40 years before that, mm-hmm. 19, 1971. Mm-hmm. Do the math. Can you do the I math? I can't do math. All right. Don't make that, me do math. So where was cinema in 1931? Oh. You know, they had just invented sound pictures four yeah. years before that. I only know March Brothers movies and uh, all right. Universal Horror Monsters. All right. So now now add 40 years to 1971. Okay. You basically get to present day. Okay. Where, how, how easy is it to watch A Clockwork Orange now and consider that a very modern, daring edgy movie as compared to what was going on 40 years before. We haven't made much progress in terms of what kind of movies we're making and right. the kind of content. We, we're not breaking ground mm-hmm. except in giant screens and digital effects. I, I would tell Which you Which I don't like. I would tell you A Clockwork Orange is, is more impactful than... And and more, I mean, you're giving st- me goosebumps. Well, and it's still exhilarating as ever. Absolutely, it's still. A- and I don't think that's ever. lost on a new generation. Yeah. I think is what I'm trying to say. Plus the fact that Stanley said, "Fuck it, this is the NADSAT language. You're going to figure it out on your own. Right? You're going to. You still understand the film, even though Alex and the Droogs are speaking in a whole other language. In the same way you had to do it with the book. You just had. We to- were all feeling a bit shagged and fagged and fashed. <laughs> It had been an evening of some great energy expenditure, oh, my brothers. So we got rid of the auto and stopped off at the Carova for a nightcap. Damn. Do you know the whole movie? Yes. I could perform it for you right now. Okay, go. <laughs> I will validate you for an extra two hours if you go now. <laughs> I watched Caligula when I was ten. <laughs> my mom really didn't care. <laughs> oh, by the way, I still haven't watched Caligula. What? And- no. Dude, Helen Mirren, are you into her? It scares She's the hell out of me. She's naked through the whole goddamn thing. But they, <laughs> but they do some boobs and butts and fucking and coming. You got to see the <laughs> porn version of it, though. It's it's O'Toole, McDowell, Helen Mirren, Gilgood, all running around a porn movie. It is actually one of, I mean, it is such an aberration. It is this. Because uh, Guccione, right? He yeah. basically did everything. He, yeah. Did he direct it even? Well, uh, there was a, a, a French or Italian. Uh, that, yeah, there was a French name. or Italian filmmaker that, that made it. Was there was a tremendous it. documentary. But you feel like Guccione yeah. was on the set the entire yes, time. Yes, he was. Yeah. This was my movie. <laughs> but he managed to get those names yes, in this crazy fucking. It, well, we're making a legitimate picture here. Oh, well, Mr. Guccione, I, yeah. I, I just. It feels like mm-hmm. you just wanted an excuse to do an arty porn film. You understand I'm a painter first and foremost. People call me a pornographer. Yeah. That's not what I am. I'm, well, pa- I'm a painter. But you're a painter? I'm a. <laughs> I'm a painter. You're a, I'm a punter. Uh, I'm a, <laughs> you don't know what I you don't are. I know what I am. I believe you're dead, Mr. Gucci. I believe I am gone. Yes, am we're talking. Son? <laughs> All right, so, Spin Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, now, were you gravitating to these things? You were seeking out this kind of stuff? Was there, like, weird... Uh, well, then I was like, i got to be an actor, so... Yeah. Who, who was the guy? I mean, you said... Well, there was. Are we ta- what are we talking about now? Who was what, what like the actor? Or? No, who was the actor that 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 Nicholson? Nicholson for yeah. sure. That was the guy. Yeah, yeah. He uh, still is. Oh yeah. yeah. He, he 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 tore me asunder, and he put me on the path. Did you go to college? Uh, I went to um, a semester of film school at CalArts. I, I tried to get into CalArts the first time, and I didn't. And then I got in the second time, 
and uh, and it wasn't for me. Too uh, experimental, Too artsy, fartsy. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I I really should have gone into the animation program like Tim Burton did, and maybe make um, films the way the journey he took. But boy, I was in there, and I was so frustrated. And you know, I had just come out of. I mean, I, I was in my first professional show out here in L.A., which got me, you know, equity. Was um, I think I was twelve. Don Sherman's Schwab Players of Hollywood. What? And I got to work with Don Sherman, who played uh, the bartender in the Rocky movies. I got to work with Beth Grant, who you see her all over the place now. Greg Lewis. And these were all like, I don't know, kind of like vaudeville sort of beatnik kind of New York folk who came out here and started a theater company. And that show was produced by Sally Marr, who was Lenny Bruce's mom. And Sally would set me aside and say, you got something, kid. You got to stick with this thing. All right. So I, I, I had some agents come and see me when I was a kid, and I went on a few kid auditions. Like, I think I auditioned for Jaws for the Revenge. I think they brought me back a few times, and I didn't get the part. As Michael Caine's son? Because really? Cider wasn't in that one. Well, no, he wasn't. Was that the one where the, the, the shark was chasing Lorraine Gary all over the, the world or something? That's and, hilarious. Yeah. I think Probably. there's I think there's a, a rich may he rest in peace. I think there's a rich Jenny uh routine about Jaws 3 or 4 where he's just it, the logic of it defies just really? any <laughs> I got to find real that. thinking and he's just, yeah, you got to look up Richard Jenny and Jaws. Oh, rest in peace. I know. Didn't he die in the shower? He killed himself, right? I think he killed himself. See, you have to understand to be a a funny person, and I never thought of myself as any kind of comedian, but it's it's just so – there's so much pain you got to negotiate. But, well, that's true, right? Yeah. I mean, but then you have those aberrations like guys like Seinfeld who claims he has absolutely no dark side, no yeah. anguish, no no nothing. Which, by the way, and I will mm-hmm. make this comment. If anybody – have you ever watched his Comedians in Cars with Coffee? I have. All right. You need to watch the episode. I think we have a little insight into him. Okay. And and he and he's fucking lying. <laughs> uh, it's Sarah Jessica Parker. Okay, and they're really good friends because yeah. they're in New York and because they're adorable. And of course they She's hang so out. Hot, and yeah. of course they all hang out. Yeah. Those families, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> at one point though, because he lets his guard down a little bit because she knows him so well, and and she's asking something about. Didn't your parents ever hug you? Didn't they ever sh- get, show affection? And he's like, No. Yeah. Why would they? He doesn't. And that's like, oh. Okay, mm-hmm. there, there's definitely something there. I saw Dark Jerry on stage. My, my wife, um, she's in HR, and she drags me to these HR conferences, and they get big acts. And they got Seinfeld one year. I oh, believe this wow, was in they're Atlanta. paying some sweet dough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a big company. And this, this was a, 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 you know, a convention yeah, show. Yeah, they do. That, a lot of the big names, that's all. I mean, yeah. he can make a ton of money doing Absolutely. corporate gigs. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And there was Jerry on stage, and I've never seen him so dark. He was beautiful. He killed. I mean, I love Jerry, but I'd never seen this side of Jerry. Oh, wow. Just bitching about what a pain in the ass it is being a dad and <laughs> just going into all of his well, stuff. Well, maybe he just doesn't give a shit I anymore. think he dropped a couple of, uh, not an F-bomb, but I think he dropped some curse words up there. Yeah, I think he went for it. All right, it was good. dark, Jerry. Yeah, yeah good I to like see that. that. Good to see him. But yeah, but there's—I mean, they, people have always said there's pain in comedy, and yeah. you see so many comedians who end up in dark places. I mean, Robin Williams is a prime example mm-hmm. of somebody who was working so hard to make sure anybody he was around. I mean, that Norm Macdonald story. Did you read that? Mm-hmm. After uh, Norm Macdonald was, I think, his first appearance on on Letterman or something. 
and Robin Williams was on that night. I hope I'm not getting this wrong. And Norman never met Robin Williams or, you know, didn't know each other. But Robin came in and started, like, just riffing with him and and pretending he was the tailor and, like, measuring his inseam. And, Nor- <laughs> and Norm tells a story. He told yeah. it in Twitter, like, in, okay. you know, in these Twitter kind of comments. Oh. And it was, like, this really moving thing of this guy, all he wanted to do was get people to like him. Yeah. And in every moment of his life. So that does translate to, well, how are you when you're alone? And that's all you feel like doing is mm. trying to make sure people like you or love you. And I, that's where I kind of see his darkness. I can't ever try to explain exactly what yeah. he went through and why he went through what he went through. But, yeah, I mean, that's what. where would you come out on why funny people have such a dark side to them? Is, is it just because of their upbringing? Is it just because of their, their background? Is it in the DNA? Is it is it trying to change the darkness into light? You know, the the few moments on stage give you this kind of clarity. Is it, do you have a take on that? I'll let you talk. Wow. Uh, well, I just think it's a sensibility thing. I mean, I, I think, yeah, it, it is sort of like what you say. You have to find beauty and ugliness. But but in order in order for the comic mind – oh, I see, I'm going to sound like a pretentious no, dick. I don't but, know what I'm talking about. But no, but this is, but this is where you come yeah. from because your drawings and yeah. the stuff you gravitate to yeah. and your humor yeah. comes from a place of – of the, the, the... Well, I, I'm the kind of guy, Larry, who doesn't just go to the supermarket, get his groceries and leave. I go to the supermarket and it becomes an absolute endurance test. And, I, and I'm observing everything becomes like a fear and loathing in Las Vegas experience. You know what I mean? And, uh, for example, uh, the other day I, I went in and I saw two dudes with skullets. That's where it's they have male pattern, but then they have long hair in the back that they turn into a ponytail. And those grotesques came to life, and I had to rush home and draw them. So I just think it's a, it's a, it's a mental illness. It's a, it's, a, it's a physical thing. So, yeah, I do think it has to do with DNA, but I do think it's a sensibility thing. You Finding the fucking humor in a guy who would actually go out of his way to grow a skullet and then try to rock it in an Albertsons, that's the answer to comedy, man. And then you share that with people and they're like, I would have never thought of that in a million years. That is actually kind of funny. Yeah, there's so many things that pass us by that I don't think in those terms. I think I probably would see that guy and go, and then totally move on. (laughs) So you but you embrace that shit. And that's great. I mean, that's what that's what comedians do. That's the other observational Mm -hmm. aspect of things is the absurdity and the. What was the word, the D word you used at the beginning? Detritus? Detritus. Detritus? Yeah. Man, I need to incorporate that into my everyday. Yeah. You, you, all that stuff, that you, the detritus that you see around your neighborhood, yeah. you translate that to human beings and human behavior. That's what you're, I mean, that's, I think you t- are seeking it yeah. out. I think I'm taking or, a or strike. Or you're more sensitive to it. I am. I'm more sensitive to it, but I'm taking a strike at the human race. I'm trying to snap them out of their fucking comas <laughs> and say go. people are dropping their couches out on the corners, and then you look at the couch and on the couch is a discarded condom full of chum <laughs> that is the world to me now and i want that to change you want that to go away i though. want that to stop but happening if, but if all but that ever, but if all that be, okay but let's say if that all, makes you want to kill yourself though after a while no no, no. it doesn't i don't no I, I used to but i don't anymore you had those tendencies i've suffered a lot of heartbreak oh i did the dramatic hold the gun in my mouth and cry did you yeah when i was uh, that was a long time ago. You were young. Yeah, yeah, I was in my. What? Team. What point? I fantasize about jumping off a high place or 
But the, but I haven't had those. I haven't courted those thoughts in a long. It's only after but what, a great what brought that on. Okay, was it was was it girl issues? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 lost very dear friends over time, and you know, I know that I I can be a, a catastrophic pain in the ass, and I know I can be uh, very neurotic. But at the same time, I think I can be very mystical, and I think I can I have an ability to be a, a bit of a, a healer. I know that sounds crazy. Well, but... you've been married how long? Uh, gosh, well, I've been married for. 14 years, but I've been with Nicole for uh, 22, yeah. Yeah. 3 years. So, and no kids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all right? Yeah, well, I had to make that decision when I married her because I knew it wasn't going to happen. I, I used to envision um, being surrounded by daughters and uh, see my stepdad, who my mom eventually married and they had my sister with. He was Jewish, so he brought in the whole Jew contingent when I was 15. Like, whoa, Jews! They love to eat and talk and spit bagel out of their mouths! They won't shut up! They're hilarious! There's egg all over Grandma's blouse! Oh, my God, you actually got to live in the Marx Brothers household for a while. I did. Wow. I did. Dream come true. Boy, that's just started thinking about things from the past like wow what a funky ass life but yeah so what were we talking about <laughs> we were talking oh, about wife. your wife yeah so no um so you manage i mean what i'm saying is you've managed to, to find a long-term relationship that she's you know puts up with that shit or responds to it or connects with it yeah plus she allows me to have female friends which uh word is you're not that's not a a, a really common thing in in marriages when um, you say female friends you mean just actual friends. Yeah, yeah. Just like I mean, I hang out with a lot of chicks. Women, Not a lot of chicks. Women get jealous. Yeah. And, well, men get jealous. I mean, it's 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 a. It's... I think it would be a double standard if she started hanging out with some chode. I think I'm going to have a problem with it. Like you're not seeing him tonight. Meanwhile, you know, I can see my female friends, and it's not a problem. But it's just I don't know. There's just a lot. Well, of you know what that is, Max. Give and take. What? That's trust. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have trust issues, Max? <laughs> uh... Let's just say that um, <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Yeah, that was a stupid question. No, no, I, it was a it was a deep one. We could have gone somewhere with it, but yeah, well, am well, I a good guest? Yeah, I this am? is amazing. Oh, okay. No, um, luckily we have two more hours. We'll get through everything. Oh wow! No, we're not going to talk that long. No, no, Nobody no, wants no, to hear. No, that no one wants to hear that. <laughs> um, let's get back to um, the stuff that you let's let's go chronological again. So you did that. You 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 bailed out of CalArts. You yep. didn't get the Jaws four audition, right? You're doing the actor thing. You yeah. have been—I mean, you've been living that life. I had done upstage comedy with Bob Cushell. And, yes, you know, you had Bob on the show, and, right. and 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 all those folks, those fine folks, super talented folks, and again, a lot of those people. I I was the only non-Jewish dude in the room. There was a real Jewish sensibility, wasn't there? Well, that's that kind of a, a life theme. Well, that Jewish happens a lot. Are very funny. Well, that happens a lot in comedy. Too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Um, but then, once I got out of CalArts, then I was like, nope, I'm back to being an actor, and um, I, I got into some plays, and I, I, did a, I did plays for about 10 years, and these were not, I did plays that I wrote and staged, Oh, and then I did plays that other people wrote, and then people would, uh, like my dear friend Stefan Marks, very talented uh, writer-director from The Four Postmen, um, he would write plays and, and, and write great parts for me, and, and these weren't plays that people weren't seeing. You know, we had houses, we had feedback, we had reviews, and I compiled all of this stuff over the course of my 20s to kind of prepare me for that 
next level Big thing. film career I'm right. going to have. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, why, has, why, why do you think that hasn't happened? It wasn't the well, lack of auditioning, or did you not... Were you know you not what? Diligent about it. You know what, Larry? Yeah, I think, I think I was always one of these guys, and it's so funny. I've had tremendous um, fits of actory success, but not a consistent uh, ascension. Yeah, but I don't think that's unusual. I mean, I think even people who have gotten a sitcom or or yeah. been in a, in a series I did a of sitcom. movies. Yeah, did you? I did. I was on a sitcom. I played a guy with a puppet. I did. Can you tell us it the sitcom? It was just a part. Uh, it was called Getting Personal. Vivica A. Fox was on it. Oh, wow. Very funny to see Vivica now taken down a notch on Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> she wasn't like that then. But I had a, a commercial campaign where I was in, um, oh, it was perfect for me. Oh, yes. I was a spokesman for a casino, and I had billboards and commercials, and it was like tons of residual checks coming in. But the best part was the photo shoot. Larry, they were paying me, me, Look at me to lie in a pool with a cigar and a cocktail surrounded by babes. Or they brought in models to lie in bed with while I smoked a cigar. I mean, that was so great. That was so great. That's the dream job. Other than being a Marx brother, that's the dream job. Yeah. Yeah. Other than being a smartass who destroys and brings down a system, uh, <laughs> getting paid to lie in a bed with a woman smoking a cigar was a dream job. So it just got to the point where voiceover started to kind of take off, which is great. Tons of video games, whatever. But then, like you said, I got to that point where I'm like, I cannot count on people anymore. Because I love and I appreciate, rather, the fact that over the years people have said, oh, you're so talented. You're so funny. You're so this. You're so that. And I know... A third of the time, it's not lip service, but also I've always been that guy. Oh, man, we love you. Uh, we just don't know what to do with you. <laughs> and I've never fit in any category. Right. And I said, fuck it. I'm going to start my own thing. Yes. And well, so that's almost always the way I think. And I think more than ever now you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, my kid's going through that. He's mm-hmm. a he's an actor and a musician. Yeah. So it couldn't be more frustrating in worlds that are so splintered off into a million different places. And all he hears and all he knows is you're going to have to create your own shit yeah. to get noticed because yeah. you don't get to go through the training, get your management, get your agent, and then sit back and wait for the parts to come in and Correct. somebody to discover you. It Correct. just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So he's creating his own shit. That's great. And he's a very charismatic, fine young fellow, very bright. Yeah. I've always enjoyed the few times I, I met Alex. And I know you uh, rightfully boast about him. Uh, he's great. Yeah, he's, he's a good great. guy. But, you know, the odds are against him from that standpoint. Is he in, uh, he's in Boston He's still? in New York. He's in New York now. He graduated. He's oh, in New York. So he's a New York actor. He's a New York, pounding the pavement, waiting on tables, okay. doing gigs at clubs, okay. finishing his own album, wow. doing sketch shows, yes. doing improv. Sounds like he's doing the right thing. Is he going to go out for SNL? I don't, he's at the perfect age, isn't he? Twenty-three. Twenty. He's a little young. Okay. He, he needs to. He's got to establish himself a little bit first, and yeah. and kind of you know get get in the mode. But he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know, it's like, how do you know anymore? So the thing you created is that the YouTube videos you started. Yeah. Well, on? it was a it was a three tier thing. I I knew I wanted to um, 
work with my friend Adam Shoulder, a.k.a. the counselor. So we started Bowler Hat Productions. The bowler hat is signifying of Alex's derby in A Clockwork Orange. But under the bowler hat is basically, you know, my brain and his brain. So just like this, just like you're doing now, I did a, a hundred hours of a show where I would just interview my awesomely talented friends. We made a great documentary about my desert rat granddad who's mm-hmm. a racist and a drunk and... And then I, sort of on my own, started making YouTube videos because um, I was uh, really strung out on The Sopranos. And, um, and it was actually uh, our, well, your friend, Lisa Arch, uh, but she suggested. <laughs> Is she not your friend anymore? <laughs> no, she, we were best friends, but uh, I think she'd had enough of me. But she's, she's the one who suggested um, that I make a video of my uh, Tony Soprano impression and put it on YouTube. And I didn't know what that meant, so I just did it, and the thing went viral. Yeah. So... Yeah. Then I became this like video maker, which I really enjoyed doing for a long time. But then you get really buried in the Tony Soprano shit. And when it led up to like finally James Gandolfini dying, yeah. I looked at it that like a release, like I'm free. You know, so and, you haven't done it since? No, I, I did I've one done it a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I did a little goodbye video because that just destroyed me when he died. I mean, yeah. it had been a long time that an actor had moved me so like he did the sopranos really kicked your ass and i i don't want to admit in front of you that i haven't seen that series yeah um i think as a as a man who grew up on coppola scorsese mm -hmm. and all that i think you will find that it'll fit in the echelons of those great works all right i'm gonna do it and i think it's gonna really um take you down as a daddy i think that's because the show is really i mean it's a mob show but it's it's so about the family sure so about the dynamics between Tony and his son, who actually is a turd, so you probably won't relate to that. <laughs> oh, he's had his turd moments. Yeah. Trust me. Um, but th- but then that got you a, a. I mean, did anything come of the? A lot of good stuff. Yeah, yeah. A lot of good stuff came from the YouTube stuff, and 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 I was able to monetize, and you know, I still make money on those videos, and uh, really, yeah. And 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 I, I I got a couple of jobs. I got a. I actually got to fly not to New York. But I was flown out to Long Island to do um, videos. They put me up at a really nice hotel for this company. I don't know, doing all the characters. And, um, you know, people are like, I mean, seriously, people will just say, hey, can you say happy birthday to my cousin? I'll pay you $300 as Tony Soprano. <laughs> oh, happy birthday from Tony Soprano. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. But, uh, but no, I, I. but then I started to like, yeah, kind of burn out because – you know, once again, just like do more Tony Soprano. I mean, I was doing like original characters and then people were saying, I love your original characters more than I love Tony Soprano. Anyway, it's Bowler Hat on YouTube. Yeah. Um, but then I got the biggest job of my life. I got uh, Nickelodeon's Kung Fu Panda Legends of Awesomeness. Yes. And that basically took me out of making videos because I was so happy being on a hit cartoon and working with people. Talk about have, going in that room and working with dude, people. And, and, and the first major yeah. animation, I mean, you are built for animation. Right. It, it it makes sense that mm-hmm. they would find you for that. Tell tell me about the experience of that because... I think I auditioned for it for like 20 times. Really? I kept going into Nickelodeon and I kept going in and I kept going in and I'm talking to my agent. I'm like, what? Why won't they just... How come... And then it was silence. And it was like, gosh, I, I guess it, it didn't happen. And I'll never forget, I was at North Hollywood Toyota <laughs> getting my <laughs> getting my uh, car lubed. I don't know. 
And I get a call from my agent, and she she was actually a little like mellow about it. She's like, "Hey, Max, I'm just letting you know, um, you you booked Kung Fu Panda." I'm like, "Oh, like a, a part? No, like you're you're a series regular." Like I, it was a hot summer's day, and I'm staring in the sun, and I was really feeling like a loser, and uh, I was really feeling like, where am I going to go in my life? And I think I might have evidently they had the cast set, but I had played Mantis already in a in a few things. Master Mantis, the little uh, green Mantis dude. Right. Seth Rogen voices him in the films. Right. Um, but I, I hadn't, uh, I didn't think I was going to get the show, but I think I replaced a guy. And my first session was catch up. You know, like I went in alone and I'm working with the great Peter Hastings, who Dave Finkel actually, I don't know if he spoke of him, but... Uh, Oh, in his animation uh, period. Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Pinky in the Brain and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. He, he did talk about that. Yeah, P- Peter was like the, the main guy. So so here is this guy who intimidated the shit out of me. I mean, I was diapered up for this first session. <laughs> and I was on my way, actually, to uh, the Central Coast, where you now enjoy a part-time home, and um, with, with my wife and her parents. <laughs> and... I thought I tanked so hard in the session. I just didn't, like, I wasn't getting any feedback. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to lose this job. And I remember driving up there, and I'm like, calling my agent, Marnie, I'm going to lose this job. I was terrible. She's like, oh, God, don't say that. You know? <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm really learning, Larry. It's taken me a very long time, but I'm really learning, like, it's hard to put that bad woogie out there because it might bounce back and... I don't know. Do you I'm, believe that? I'm, I'm getting a little mystical. I'm just, I, I yeah. don't want to put that bad energy out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's something to that. I don't believe the energy part of yeah. it, but I do believe the personal part of it. The I personal believe, part yeah. of it. Yeah, I believe it's self-sabotaging. If, if you put that yeah. persona up, then it, then it does radiate to yeah. other people, and they go, ew. Yeah. <laughs> you can hear it on the phone. You can hear it in your voice. You can see it in your facial expressions. And now with social media, yeah. you can pick up attitude Absolutely. in a tweet, for crying out loud. Oh, good. Yeah. I had to finally leave Twitter. It just wasn't. Yeah, funny. it drove you crazy. It did, but but, um, but it worked out. I mean, yeah. it, you obviously didn't get fired from that job. Correct. Uh, so once I I, I started uh, going in with the cast, and we would have these sessions. It was four and a half years of the most fun, the most uh, I don't know. Just I mean, it it seriously. It, it was like having a morning radio show. Friday yeah. mornings, you uh, go into Nickelodeon. You're in the booth. And I kind of become the host of the show, and I'm interviewing Fred Tatashore, <laughs> VO great Kari Walgren, and James C., and, right. you know, Mick Winger, and Amir Talai. And the show that's going on in the room, yeah. outside of the script, yeah. has got to be amazing. Oh, if you could have heard that show. Yeah. But I heard that, because um, uh, my, my very, very, very dear friend Kari, she's a voiceover superstar, but uh, she told me that it doesn't happen. Casts of shows like that don't bond and get close. And this is where I'm saying I had no idea that, well, then I guess I was 40, 41. I, I, I guess I didn't know it was possible to have new best friends in life. So it, it really, it really kind of stung when the show ended. And it's yeah. still airing, which is fantastic. Right. I mean, it's on every day, all day, and, and that's great. But, but that's a group you bonded with in a yeah. way that you felt that sadness when you had to say goodbye because yeah. you know you're not gonna you know you're gonna stay in touch or whatever yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. be connected in yeah. some like kind of tiny little way but there is they they use that old thing about it being a family yeah but you really felt like that i, I did yeah i did and and i i miss it and in a post kung fu panda world once again <laughs> just because you're on kung fu panda that doesn't mean you have an automatic 
you're going to be in every other cartoon because it, you know, it things got slow again. Yeah. And and but now now I'm finally at the point where I have become Max Cook, the guy with this sensibility. I know my vision. I have a tremendous love of wine, and I'm doing Max Cook Uncorked. See, again, there's something you created, something yes. for yourself. Yes. And what I love about the wine blog yes. is that it's not the snooty, pretentious wine blog. Correct. It is the my kind of guy wine blog, because I love wine, and my wife loves wine. Yes. But we don't need to hear about hints of nutmeg and, and, no, you don't. and smell of newly mowed lawn, because none of <laughs> None of that shit makes sense to me because part of the joy, especially of what we're watching you do, is the experience of where you're having the wine. I mean, and and that there's goats in the in the barn <laughs> yeah. across the field, and that there's just this amazing, beautiful day. Yeah. And you take a sip of something, and you just tell us, "Wow, this is really, yeah. this is really good. This yeah. is bold. This yeah. is how oh, it goes great with this food." That's all I need to hear. That's I need to need. see your face. When you taste it, I know I want to hear about the experience yeah. of, of what you went through to get to the winery yeah. and taste it. Yeah, that's that's tell people where the blog is again. It's maxcookuncorked.com. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you something. Um, what's so fantastic, and I, I, I'm really excited because I, I, I really upped the ante with the video making. I, I got rid of my PC. I switched to Mac. I'm, I'm, I'm really trying. To, and I've never been a technical guy ever. If you look at my videos, they're very primitive. But. It's so fun now to plan when we go on trips to, like, have that confidence to say, you know what? If, if you walk onto a winery and you go into a tasting room and you simply say, hey, do you mind if I film for my blog? They open up arms yeah. for you most of the time. I've never had anyone say no. And then you're talking. Plus, they're bring, they're yeah. probably bringing you stuff they normally don't have out oh. for the regular patrons. Oh, Larry. Yeah, oh, Larry. right? I've right? had... I've already They're received. They're giving you like this 125-year-old, we never uh, bring this I've up, had but... those experiences. Yeah. When I was in Napa Valley, I couldn't believe, because they're like, wow, you're just kind of, I mean, they didn't say this, but they're like, wow, you're kind of an idiot. I'm like, yeah, it's jackass meets Hulhauser in wine country. <laughs> what, 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 like, I know anything. <laughs> but I had a family. Uh, a, I'd watch amazing... that show, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, and that's <laughs> next. You, you I want to try to get. two great shows to me. <laughs> In one episode. Yeah. But no, I, uh, I, uh, I was invited by a family, and I'm going to be doing this in the coming months. I'm going to go basically live on their winery. What? And my cousin's going to film, and um, I'm just going to be there for like a long weekend and just film morning, noon, and night. My sorry ass learning how to make wine with this unbelievably cool family. And they're a very unique – the characteristics are great. There's edge to them. They wear black clothes. There's Harleys involved. <laughs> yeah. It'll be awesome. Oh, this is awesome. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot of fun to be myself. You know, I mean, I'll... I'll and this go... is a passion for you. I mean, yeah. you're not just a casual wine drinker. This is... No, this you, is a sincere... Re... Yeah. yeah, you really love the stuff. I do. And, and you have, and I, I think that's great. Now, so have wineries started reaching out to you now? Are well, they finding you? What's interesting is that um, if you go to my wine blog, you'll be like, well, why is he talking about a movie? Well, that's what I feel like talking about. But I always try to pair the film... Or the book or the experience or, you know, with a wine that I've tried that I love. So a lot of these wines that I've mentioned, you know, I'll put in the tags and they'll find that and they'll send me a private email. Hey, you know, we'd love you to taste our 2012 uh, Old Finds Inn or, or wait till you hear the, uh, the, the cab we have going on or whatever. And it's starting slowly to happen. I've only really been 
rocking this thing since October. Right. I'm just not rocking it loud enough. So now I'm, I'm getting my mojo back. Because I think I, I lost it again a little bit. No, I think you're on to something. I yeah. think that you've you've hit on something that because uh, there was a period where it, it feels like uh, the attention on wines in general. There was a that, that period you know where everybody talked about Chardonnay mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and so Chardonnay got really shitty <laughs> because yeah, yeah, right. everybody started making Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, um, that and, happens. And now, uh, like wines, suddenly got got a move to the back seat, and suddenly we are all into kind of spirits and mm-hmm. and like these these. Uh, savory cocktails and yeah. these places that they're making stuff with, you know, mushrooms and vodka and, and you know, dirt. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would like to think that people are kind of focusing back on, on wine again. It's it's such a great food. I mean, it is, and when it's it made is. well. Um, and now that Charlotte and I have explored uh, Paso Robles area, yes. which, by the way, to me, it just feels like one of the best kept secrets in, in wine. It's the greatest. Because it's it, uh, you look around, and it's as beautiful as, mm-hmm. as Napa. Transporting. I'm talking quietly so mm-hmm. people don't hear this part. Yeah. It is gorgeous there. And the and the Zins, the Reds, <gasps> yeah. they're they're tremendous. The Pinot. I'm going up there in uh, in March. We got a couple of places. Yeah. We'll, we'll send you. You got definitely got to experience Niner. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, been to Niner. Oh, you have been yeah, to yeah, Niner. Yeah. We love it there. Yeah. Um, there's a, a little place tucked back off of the, of the highway. That is a Pinot, it's all Pinot, mm-hmm. um, and really, yeah, we'll talk. Have you been to Pipestone Organic? Because nope. uh, that, that's, that's up there, and, and it's so funny because, you know, you say organic wine and you think that that's um, redundant, but, but it's actually a whole different process in yeah. many ways. Uh, but I think you'd enjoy that one, too. Right. There's so many great ones. I mean, it's ridiculous. All right, so people should check that out. Where should they also see, um, tell us where we can find you, because you're not on the Twitter and and you've uh, yeah. you've rejected the Instagram. No, I'm on Instagram. Oh, you are. I love Instagram. Oh, I thought you were. What, what did you? Oh, it was you railed against Twitter the other day. Or yeah, I, I um, every time I would tweet, I would lose followers, and I got very insecure, and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> you know, it's too bad because, <laughs> because Facebook, why? Because you spoke your mind. Facebook really is my my wall. My like, yeah. I don't post like other. It's drawings. It's rants. It's yeah. pictures of of dead people. Well, not really. But. <laughs> I'm just waiting to find that in my neighborhood when I walk my dog in the morning. Oh my god. That really at that point you just have to stop, right? How can you top a dead body? Yeah. Unless it's two dead bodies. <laughs> it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, good. As, so yeah, as long as you're not the cause of it, I don't think it's a problem. Just type my stupid name and and it's K O C H. K O C H yeah. and we'll make sure to to put all the links up on uh, on the website and everything. Thank you. Are you happy? I have trouble I want you to be happy. Yeah. Because you have, I mean, uh, the people who blow smoke are one thing, but you, you do have a lot of talent, and yeah. I do think there's love in you, and I think that, that you are a good person at heart, despite maybe some of the weird trappings of, you know, you grabbing your crotch at a moment's notice. <laughs> um, w- w- yeah. What's it going to take to be happy? No, no, no. I um, When I'm working... I'm at my happiest. Mm-hmm. I, I've learned this. And it has just been the past few months with, uh, I mean, I don't get sick. So if I'm taken down by a cold, I'm going to be sitting around for two weeks and I'm going to get very, very depressed. Yeah. But for the most part, Larry, I want you to know I'm very happy. And uh, as long as my dog, Mickey, isn't sick because he has pancreatitis, and as long as he isn't having a seizure and I don't have to inject some fluid up his 
poop hole. And as long as my pug Malcolm's okay, and my dogs are all right, and as long as my wife isn't, you know, falling apart. Or hang out with some chode. Yeah, and my female friends are all doing all right. And as long as everyone around me is okay, I'm all right. All right. I'm well, all right. I'm good, just so you know. You're fantastic. I'm in the best you place. You look of... the best you've ever looked. I know. I love the cropped hair. Thank you. I, I Do you go to Fantastic Sam's? Um, I would. I didn't used to. I used to pay out the nose for, yeah. you know, whatever that was on my head. If you're going to stick with this, just just go to just Yeah, go there. I'm just going to have somebody just kind of buzz. Clippers. Would you do it? That's Buzz your hair? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I have my own clipper set. I'll, I'll clean up the hairs on your neck, too. And they'll ask you if you want it square back there yeah. or round yeah. on your corners. What should I do? Round. Yeah. No okay, square. that's what I think. Not square. All right. All right, I'm coming over. And shave your ear hair. All right, could I talk to you? Uh, I do. Could I, why? Do you see? Is there a stray one sticking no? out? No. Can I talk to Al Pacino for a second? Come on. I hope you heard about my new movie. No. The Humbling. Is that real? Yeah. What's that about? I play an actor with a scarf on who wears a black suit and Crocs and is going through some shit. Now, that just sounds like your life. That just sounds like you. Yeah. That's why I didn't put too much energy into it. <laughs> Larry, I like you. I was wondering if you used the booty butt wipes. I'm sorry? Come on. No, I don't know what that is. Do you have a freckled hide? Um, I haven't looked at my hide to know, or nor have I been told. What are you doing asking about his hide? What's the matter with you? Uh-oh, there we go. Well, you, what's wrong? Why are you talking to him like that? Nobody cares. You hear me? Look Mi- at me. Mr. De Niro? What? Uh, do you, you remember uh, you and I actually you and have, uh, yeah, we have, you uh, and me, we have acted together. We in did. in us yes we were in a movie what together we, Wait, we were in I know you there was a, a yeah. I know you yeah I've seen your face you yes. hear me look at me yeah I've seen your face yes. see what I said yes look at me uh, let him talk we we were in Grudge Match together do you I remember that no huh? I don't know what that is that, that's a movie you made with Sylvester Stallone I don't that's know the who that is. that's the boxing comedy uh, you made with Sylvester Stallone and Kevin I don't know Hart what you're talking about you no, know what I mean there was a yeah you I don't like. Come on, he's a nice guy. He's trying to ask you things. I'm telling you the truth. I, we, what do we do? We have an exchange. Uh, we had uh, eye contact. Yes, eye contact. I did have lines. Did I dot my eyes away from you? You motherfucker! You. <laughs> you did actually. He's kind of a white boy, isn't he? He's a white boy. <laughs> he's a white boy. You hear me? Look at me. Uh, uh, Groucho Marx, are you? I don't are have you anywhere Groucho. in the vicinity? No. no. <laughs> I'll just do Gilbert's Groucho Marx. <laughs> Have you heard Gilbert Scratch Max? Gilbert Godfrey? Yeah. No. Uh, he does old Groucho Max. It's, it's the funniest. It's Groucho right before he died. You know, it's like when he was in those old recordings. I'll never forget the time that Chico was fucking the girls in the back room. I don't know why he's from Boston. But it's the best Groucho. you got to hear Gilbert. Max, I love you. I love you. And we should do this again. All right. All right. And uh, we should drink wine together. Yes. In fact, we should just open this right now. Seriously, I, I was going to bring glasses and uh, a, a corkscrew, but I, If know. I could just nap the rest of the day, I'd be happy. Can I just say one thing about this? This wine? When you open the bottle, yeah. yeah. Do you have, do you have um, a decanter? Um, we don't. Okay. It makes a difference, right? I'm telling you, Larry. All right. I want you to pour that thing aggressively into the decanter, like, like aggressively. And and all of a sudden, it'll be like a tiger springing out of a cage. I mean, this is, this is, this is a living thing in there that wants out. Uh 
You let that, th- you walk away. Yeah. One How hour. long? How long? One uh, hour. An hour? An hour. I don't want to wait an hour. Well, uh, okay, I'll wait an hour. 20 minutes. No, okay, we'll plan it. 20 minutes. All right. 20 minutes, come back, just put a sip in. Yeah. Just put a sip in. Yeah. And then get yourself a little horseradish white cheese. Ooh. <gasps> and Ooh. put that on Ooh. your tongue. Yeah. And then take a little sip of the St. Francis and just make them fuck on your tongue, the cheese and the, and the berry there. Oh. Can I can I can I be completely honest with yeah. you? I am I have a mild erection. <laughs> Just hearing your voice. Me too. That. Oh my god. Well, it's what you have to do. <laughs> huh? When the hell where the hell am I? <laughs> I'm up there in the Hollywood Hills counting my change and waiting to croak. <laughs> Someone said I'm jaundiced. I think it was Harry Dean Stanton. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Your face just now scaring uh, the crap out of Oh, me. I have the arched Irish eyebrows. Yeah, you like do. Yeah, uh, how sad will you? I, I know you've thought about uh, this. How sad are you going to be when he's how gone? How can you bring that up? You, you've thought about it, haven't you? <laughs> we you, got this far, and now you're going to make me cry. You, you've planned. You've planned what's. What, I made a video about it. Yeah. Of what I'm going to do when Jack goes. It's called Jack, Please Don't Die, and it's right. on YouTube. Right. It's me begging him not to die. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's everything. He's everything to me, and uh, I love reading books about him. And Isn't some, it strange how we attach ourselves to personalities yeah, like that? I just identify with him. I know for me, um, when, when David Letterman passes away. That's your biggest guy. I'm going to be a wreck. That's your biggest guy? He's a, he, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I've been living my life with him yeah. since I discovered him. Oh, Larry. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Why do we do that? I don't know. But raise a glass to Dave of the St. Francis. All right. After you do the cheese thing. I got to buy a decanter. Yep. And I got to buy some horseradish cheese. And Horse- a waiter wine key, not the screw, not the screwy dumb thing. Get oh, a waiter's oh, okay. wine key. Uh, okay. That'll help you. God, I have so much investment in this. <laughs> this wine better be worth it. You're down on the Wilshire District. You can just go to one fancy store. To, you, you know what? Go. I'm going to Surletta. That's the place, Surletta. That's where I'm going. Fancy pants. Max Cook, you're the best. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for being uh, here. You're, you're, you're a great person, and uh, it was a real pleasure, and I'm honored that you asked me. All right. Let's record it now. That's <laughs> my favorite deal. Get a monkey. Get a monkey! We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com.